0: Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 316 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, uh, I had a conversation with Andrew Strohmeyer. Andrew Strohmeyer races for CXD Trek Bikes, which I'm also involved in, uh, and is a former... Junior and U23 national champion, also a pan American champion, and was the runner up in this year's elite field for the U.S. national championship. We uh, had this conversation in our condo in Europe the day before Zonhoven and. There was so much to cover that that we really only scratched the surface. We uh, talked about Andrew's history, how he got into to bike racing, his experience as a junior racing in Europe and racing the World Championship, and how important that was, you know, at that age for for the experience and just for uh, his. Development in, in the sport, and then we really concentrated just on this year's domestic calendar. Hopefully um, we can have Andrew back in the future really to talk about Europe and talk about uh, things going forward for him. Before we get into that conversation, I'm going to tell you about the things that I always tell you about. If you're new here, good. You'll hear it for the first time. First off, uh, this show, Cyclocross Radio, is part of the Wide Angle Podcast network. It is a network of like-minded cycling podcasts like the Slow Ride Podcast, Nowhere Fast, Criterium Nation, Grodio, and this show Cyclocross Radio. The way we're able to present these shows to you to listen is by you becoming a member of the Wide Angle Podium network and and to do that you can go to wideanglepodium.com and if you hit on the subscribe button that that is how you can support the shows you can choose which show you wish to support you can give a one time donation and that goes a long way you know there's been a lot of consolidation in media over the past Years And even the past months and we have stayed independent throughout it and and would like to continue. You know, we like doing what we do. I know that these shows are popular. Um, I'm recording a Grodio episode later today. Amanda Nauman has been doing a wonderful job sort of talking to all of the riders and the race organizers and everybody else that is involved in gravel racing right now and it's that's definitely a show worth worth your time along with everything else on the network along with the wide angle podium uh also the newsletter that Zach Schuster and myself put out the CX CXHairs Bulletin. Would love for you to be a subscriber of the Bulletin. You can go to cxhairs.substack.com. The last couple entries on there are from me, uh, just some, some musings and photos from uh, my time covering Cursed Period over the last couple weeks. Uh, I, I hope to continue that. Going forward with Hogar Haida and the World Championships and uh, Zach will be in there as well as uh, contributors like Ethan Glading who uh, will do race galleries for us from Europe. So go to CXHairs.substack.com and become a subscriber to the CX Hairs Bulletin. That seems like enough plugs. It is episode 316 of Cyclocross Radio we're in a condo in Sharpenhovel-Zegum talking with Andrew Strohmeyer about racing cyclocross and that conversation starts right now Andrew Strohmeyer how's it going? Good <laughs> All right, okay let's start out here Easy question for you: Why is cyclocross dying, and what are you going to do to save it?
1: <laughs> it makes me sound like a superhero. <laughs>
0: let's just start. Let's just start here. Um, you're from Mount Airy, Maryland. Where is that?
1: <laughs> I like to tell people right in the middle of Maryland, uh, but a lot of people in the that race cross know about charm city. So they always ask how close to Baltimore is it? So I always tell them it's like 40, 40 minutes West and yeah, just <laughs> a bunch of small town with a bunch of farm fields. That's, that's where you lived your whole life. Yep. Yeah. I went to to high school. My high school was built in the middle of a cornfield. We go out for fire, fire drills and just touch the corn. Amazing.
0: Amazing. So how, um, how did you get into to
1: riding bikes? Yeah, I played team sports for a while and my dad was a a runner but he Yeah, slowly through like having injuries and stuff, didn't yeah, like to run as much anymore. So then he someone told him, Oh, he should try cycling. So slowly went to the local bike shop and got a bike and started riding and then slowly got incorporated with all the guys there and then yeah he started racing cyclocross which in the mid-atlantic it's well at least it used to it was like the easiest thing to get into uh like every weekend there are two races and everyone was doing it so he'd go out to those and i'd come with him and i was like this is this is awesome when did you start
0: getting into it i mean you were going with him every weekend so how old were you then and you know when did you finally like uh get into any of these races
1: yeah, it's, uh, I think I was 10. I, I think I started probably riding, going mountain biking and stuff when I was 8 or 9. Um, but yeah, it. my dad raced for a couple of years before I went and did, like I said, the first year I did two races when I was 10 in uh, 2012.
0: And, and cyclocross first races you ever did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you had a mountain bike on game, a mountain bike <laughs>
1: on a mountain bike. Yep, and well, I got dead last at both of those races, um, but it was yeah, still super fun. Do you remember which races? Yeah, it was the first one was at Fort Ritchie, but it was called the it was like BCAs Hill Cross Challenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then the second one was uh. The Patapsco Cross that they had the park down the road from me
0: oh nice All right. so after after those two sort of uh, attempts races (laughs) getting dead last in your first couple races what what then was like "Ah, maybe this
1: is something I like to do I don't know it's just the atmosphere of those races was super cool and I'd go out and yeah me and some of the other 10 11 year olds would just We'd race and then we'd just get on bikes and just ride around the course for the rest of the day, just all day. And it was just super fun to do that. The racing part was, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know if it's what I enjoyed the most out of the day, but. Yeah, it was basically
0: just, you know, tagging along with your dad, but then being able to just hang out and ride bikes. Yep. And and they actually had a, you know, area taped off that you were able to do that and nobody was going to yell at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, that's 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 what I always you know liked, especially about cyclocross. And and in those days, you know, when you're like, what what years were we talking about?
1: Uh, t- twenty twelve to like twenty
0: yeah. fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So that I think in that region, in that mid Atlantic region, those were pretty racing was going pretty well then. You know, yeah, lots of yeah. people showing up to races. Lots of the series actually were strong, and people. Competing for points and stuff, and tons of juniors showing up and and kids oh just yeah,
1: and I feel like at those races it was everybody came out like from all the different yeah from down from Virginia and stuff and everyone yeah came out to those races and yeah unfortunately now it's like a lot of times you're oh I'm not gonna make it out this weekend oh yeah. yeah can't make it but. I feel like then it was like just unheard of. You saw the same people every weekend, sometimes twice a weekend.
0: Yeah, and it was an interesting time too because people, there's a lot of confusion when people hear like Mid Atlantic. They always go, "Oh, the Mac." Yeah, Mid Atlantic. And and it was like, yeah, and the Mac was this big UCI series in its in its day. But then Mabro, which was what where we came from, which is a little little south of that. Just as big, you know, it it was, it was a type of thing that I used to tell people is the biggest series no one ever heard of, (laughs) um, for, for what we were doing. And, and yeah, it drew people from, you know, from Pittsburgh up North to Richmond, Virginia down South. And they, they'd all come out every weekend. Um, after those kind of like kid race experiences when did when did it finally click for you or when did you get more into just uh, the whole the whole idea of racing a bicycle
1: I uh, don't it may use your 20 it may have been your 2015 or 2016 um, for a while I was just yeah just having fun and went from a, a mountain bike to yep a 26 inch cross bike and still just going out to the races and not, I wasn't on the podium or anything. Uh, but then, yeah, I remember my first podium was at another race near us, at bike Toberfest. and yeah, I was sprint. I sprinted for the, for the podium and I was like, yeah, the first time I got to stand on one, I'm like, God, oh, this is, this is cool. Um, but even after that, I still didn't take it super seriously. And it was interesting. I think it must have been 2016 or no, maybe maybe 2015 but I did the first race of the year on my old 26-inch bike and then just got destroyed. And then my dad's like, "What? You might be tall enough now for the full-size 700 wheels and I got on yeah, a full-size cross bike for the next race and just immediately got fourth.
0: Oh nice. <laughs> so so sometimes equipment does matter. Uh,
1: yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't get stronger. But yeah, I guess riding the small wheels just was such a disadvantage. But, yeah. Yeah, but it's also
0: interesting. You know, we a lot of times hear these stories of of people coming up in the sport and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I put my leg over a bike for the first time and uh, won a race and i was like that's cool and it just you know kept going but you know nobody
1: looking at those early races was going to be like oh there's a future national champion oh yeah definitely not <laughs> <laughs> i was talking to my coach about this the other day we were talking about those early races how i was getting we'd race two laps so the race would be about 20 minutes but i was i was getting beat the winner was 10 minutes ahead of me and and the winner is actually my teammate now Owen Brenneman (laughs) but yeah over a 20 minute race he was he put in half the the race time into me that's that that is hilarious yeah and I thought that was at that point I was like that's just untouchable like that (laughs) that's not even possible so uh yeah
0: so after those early days when did, you know moving moving up in I guess in the age categories I mean what, what what was that that moment then you know you talked about just now just talking about your coach and I know you've been, been with the same coach for a really long time I mean when when did it finally click when was it okay um, this is something I'm actually pretty good at maybe I should take it seriously
1: yeah that it wasn't until I was a second year, fifteen, sixteen. Okay. Uh, I raced nationals for the first time as a first year because uh, they were in Hartford, and it didn't do great there. It got well had a bad mechanical I had to run the last half lap. But so I before that I was in the twenties and ended up thirty fifth. Uh, but then the next year we, my dad and I decided, oh let's go out to one of these further away races and see what happens. So we went to. The, the derby city cup at joe creason park <laughs> and yeah i went out there and got second both days and i was just racing my bike i really didn't like just didn't know who i was racing with but as i'm racing my dad's in the pit looking up who these people are and he's like oh that person's ranked fourth in the u.s and the other person's race ranked sixth he's like huh so who, who are these people it was jared scott was one of them yeah and I think the other one may have been Lucas Steerwalt. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So that's and and you were fifteen at that point? Yep, fifteen. That would have been twenty seventeen. Yes. Yeah, twenty seventeen.
0: Right. So again, you know, and I know I'm just like
1: <laughs> overemphasizing
0: this point, but I think it's an important one, especially when we see uh, parents and kids and stuff getting frustrated at way younger ages is that you're a guy who's had a lot of success in the sport that i mean it's weird to say you started late or right but but it's kind of like you know sort of figuring out that this is something you're good at at 15 years old is not a not a story that we hear a
1: ton no not at all now like you see all the like you see yeah, 13, 14s now are training, like, world tour pros and yeah. <laughs> trying to race four disciplines and basically beat Vanderpool, uh, which is kind of crazy. But I feel like you also see a lot of – I feel like finding it late was good because I, I see a lot of younger kids. They go really hard those really early years, and they get really fast. But then eventually it's it gets to the point where it's like, oh, this is – like, it gets too much, and they get burnt out. Yeah, um, which is super unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure if you went through that list of the the rest of the that field that you know you got second in, probably not a lot of them still racing because that's no. that's it. You know, yeah. it's like too serious too soon.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't really start training with a coach seriously until so I played lacrosse through up until my freshman year of high school, and then kind of decided that I didn't really want to play anymore because I was racing bikes a bit more seriously and I had to make a decision if I wanted to play lacrosse or race mountain bikes and I chose to race mountain bikes and that's when I really went full on training and I guess that that would have been the fall right before so yeah the year that was the year before I went out to that race and did well so I had a a year of training and then actually yeah,
0: yeah, and it, it's kind of funny coming coming from lacrosse. That's probably the first time I've talked to somebody who was was a lacrosse player that went into cyclocross. But for people that don't know, in Maryland, lacrosse is
1: kind of like soccer. Oh, yeah, I think it'd probably be like the equivalent of cyclocross here. <laughs> I mean, it's every everybody plays lacrosse because yeah, University of Maryland. You just watch them play every weekend. They were number one in the. The nation for a while and yeah, everyone just that's what they did. Do you
0: feel like the, the
1: the training from that
0: helped you just endurance wise at all? Or was it you know more explosive or anything
1: from that carry over? Yeah, I think a lot of just the off the bike stuff, doing a lot of just running and changing direction and a lot a lot of things cycling is very linear just pedaling up and down not really using your upper body but that sport was yeah it was tough and just doing using everything I think yeah I just feel really comfortable on my feet and being able to learn skills quickly and yeah use them yeah I think it's
0: also it's like being exposed to a sport where there's a lot of lateral movement like you're saying like cycling normally is just straight line stuff but cyclocross mountain biking especially cyclocross when you're on and off your bike and you have to like kind of like maneuver through features i feel like people who have that background is sort of like just mentally are able to to adapt to that kind of
1: riding yeah i mean i can't count the number of times like you get off for a super muddy 180 corner and when i get off i just feel like yeah we did we were doing the same thing in lacrosse i don't know how long ago just Changing directions super quick and yeah I don't I feel at home when I'm on my feet and running through yeah some weird stuff.
0: <laughs> so a- after that success in in Kentucky, you know wh- what's the next step from there?
1: Uh, keep just I continued racing locally because it was still a high level, but at that point, yeah, I was just slowly starting to go to more bigger and bigger races. So. Went to nationals, but had the flu. So I didn't, too great in Reno. And then the next year was first year junior. So we traveled to a lot of the big races and still as a first year junior, didn't have any idea where I was. We, my dad and I went out to Kings and the goal was, all right, we just want one point, one UCI point out of the weekend. Cause yeah, the, just so we don't, you don't have to start. Super far back, and so that was the goal the whole weekend. And then the first race, my first UCI junior race, I hit the I hit the grass and just crashed. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, at Kings. At Kings. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. first turn, I just it was muddy, and I hit the yeah I hit the grass in a good spot, and then just crashed and was thirty seconds behind the field. And I actually took. <laughs> I slowly find these things out as we bring more and more people on the team. But I took Dylan McNeil with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: Yeah, but I was thirty seconds off from the last rider, and then just decided, okay, let's see how let's see how far I can get up. And then all of a sudden, I was riding like, oh, that's these are some Cannondale riders. Like, wait a second. Like, I think I'm in fifth. <laughs> And then slowly, I just rode straight to the front of the race and then off the front of the race. And I didn't really know what to think after I finished. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. But at that point, I was like, okay, I actually have something in this. And yeah, I think I can do something. What what a great experience, too. I mean, first, like, you know, unfortunately
0: you're you're crashing and it's kind of i mean going back to that race so many times now you're probably looking at like it's it's probably one of the easiest like safest starts that there is in in, in north yeah. american racing you know that uphill start and that huge why they tape it so wide but yeah
1: i think i know what you're talking about right of that course crossing was probably like a huge mud puddle yeah i mean we came on the grass and it was like i was on road tires yeah it just went straight out but then a- after that and especially a place like
0: kings like what you know about you know your your racing strengths now greasy like technical oh. you know a lot of turns in there you know not you didn't know at the time <clears throat> but that's setting up perfect for you
1: yeah that and through racing there a couple more times like yeah that's that's my course um like i was able to come back the next year when both time to- both days as a second year junior just yeah, it just suited me really well, and then I got my first UCI podium there in the mud. So that course in the mud was just—that's like, the the ideal cyclocross course for me.
0: You get that success, get that experience just just at that that first King's race, and then you're kind of like decompressing after that race. And in the days, what what's what's the thought then? I mean, it seems like all right. Well, this kind of changes changes
1: the game plan. Yeah, it it definitely did, but not. A crazy amount in i mean i guess i after that race i went home and i went to back to school on one day and <laughs> just had a week of school so it was kind of uh, back to normal stuff and then went up to pan ams which are in canada because we decided oh i could i won that race might as well yeah go up and see what i can do there and that's the first time i actually heard about this like racing in europe (laughs) like i I knew about the cross race in europe but then someone was like oh yeah it's it's been in my petition to go race in europe i was like what (laughs) i I didn't know about that how do i do that and so while i was up there i started looking into it and i'm like oh usa cycling does these trips interesting and yeah put my name in for that (laughs) very quickly heard a response back saying yeah you can come (laughs) Um, but I didn't end up going on that was for a Thanksgiving trip but yeah we would have come and done the race we just did in Coxida and I was like yeah I don't know if I can even do well there so I might just wait a little bit longer which is I don't know not, not to bring like
0: US cycling stuff into this but it's like this is, I think, one of the things that we're struggling with right now with with finding talent is a guy like you. Yes, nobody knew who you were before that, but then you do really well in this one race. And just not to have anybody reaching out and say, oh, hey, by the way, you beat all of these people that, you know, we're thinking about for world teams and national trips and that, you know, maybe maybe we should get to get to know this guy. So that's but it, it, it turned out more. You had to do that research and, and track that down.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's the case with a lot of racing now. Like as I'm trying to look for opportunities to go race on a yeah, basically do this as a job and get paid to race my bike. It's I'm slowly I've been slowly finding out like it's it's rare that people are looking for you. It's it seems interesting but it seems like a very Especially the road racing, the communities, the people who are in are in, and then they don't seem to draw from the outside. They just look on the inside, and you see all these people moving teams within the, yeah, pro road teams. But very few people from the outside end up getting in, which is unfortunate because I think there's a lot of talent and stuff, and there's people that just – haven't been given the right circumstances or opportunity to really grow they're just trying to do it on their own and
0: yeah and even even the disciplines are so closed off from each other it's still you know i i've told the story a million times but it still blows my mind that you know Vanderpol shows up at Nova Mesto to to race mountain bikes after winning I don't know how many cyclocross, you know, world champions and having success on the road. Like nobody knew who he was. He was like every, no. every every mechanic, every swan deer was like, Who is this guy? He was like riding at the front. And I was just like yeah. raising my hand on the side, I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's I, that's it's I guess it's not surprising that you had that experience because we we see it up and up and down the whole scope of cycling uh so bonza that was your first worlds right yep yeah and you had won
1: nationals that year no no i that was the first year i was in louisville okay in the mud and i got that's n- right ninth so i wasn't even sure i was gonna go okay but you got you got
0: chosen for that trip what was 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 that the first time coming to europe yeah so You're i just did- jumping
1: into worlds well, I did two World Cups before. Okay. I'd raced in Pont Chateau. Oh,
0: okay. And yeah. That, oh okay. So that 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 trip that worlds trip, you were there like two weeks ahead of time?
1: Yeah, we did the the two World Cups before. So, so okay. yeah, France, who we were hiding them worlds and that was yeah, jumping into the deep end like
0: Yeah, I I guess if if you have to do it, that French race probably at least a little bit of easing into it before you get to hogarida
1: oh yeah it it was dry so that was nice and it felt very similar to u.s race except for all the you're not racing americans and i actually did pretty well there He was i mean top 30 uh but i think top 30 and i was first american but i think the other americans had some flats and stuff so <laughs> i don't know if i can't put much stock into that but yeah it was that was a good result
0: and then moving on to hogar hide, uh, what, what's going through your head when you're seeing that? Cause that's usually, you know, that's, that's historically the, the race before the world championships. Everybody's there. Everybody's super serious. Crowds are huge. You know, what's, what's just like, that's, that had to be like the first, like, all right, this is, this is
1: European cyclocross on the ground. Yeah, it was. It was like, this is, yeah. Wow. This is really cool. Um, unfortunately by that time i was pretty was not planning on racing worlds that year so i was pretty cooked from <laughs> the whole season i'm pretty sure i like when i found out i was racing going to worlds i spent almost like a month just on the trainer because i couldn't ride outside so i did all my workouts on the trainer and then went to out to there and i was yeah
0: yeah so this was still kind of your first pursuit of uc it's that same year right that you're just sort of tracking down uci points how did that pan ams race go
1: uh i got third the first day and then i think i was fifth in the pan am day yeah or sixth that was a wild course that midlands thing (laughs) yeah that was the first year i did it and then the second year was much better (laughs) yeah
0: yeah um yeah back to i'm sorry jumping around here but back back to to Europe yeah so you're doing that full UCI schedule you don't really have worlds in the plan so you're probably peaking for nationals
1: yeah yeah peaked for nationals and then it was trying to carry fitness or anything I had left to the end of January because there's just that big gap in there because that's when national the first year nationals was in December and so I didn't race from early December to late January and that was tough but i didn't really know any better and it was like <laughs> it's just, i there's just so oh, this is what i have to do so did that but yeah struggled at Hooger worlds i was i'd make it like two laps for good and then just blow up really hard and i was probably doing a bunch of other stuff wrong too but <laughs> it was such a such
0: a tough, you know, first world's experience to jump into as well. I mean, it's, nobody is familiar with, so it's kind of just like logistically and everything else kind of crazy and then that that course was I don't know, a little a little odd.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I'd like to go back and do it again. Yeah, it had, definitely has some good climbs on there. Yeah. But it was frozen. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was an interesting experience because I wasn't there for a result or anything. It was just experience, which paid off big time. But
0: well, and that's that's a great point to to make actually because that's a debate that continues to happen about world selection and world's teams. And you know, I think the the bigger picture that people don't take into it is that usually is going to involve at least one other race, possibly two uh, th- for that year. You know, I know this year most people are going to be racing Hogerheide before um, Worlds, and you're like, you're there for the experience, and there is a there is a faction of people who would say, well, Worlds isn't for experience. You know, Worlds isn't for development. That's for other, other races. But, I mean, you're saying that it was a, a huge help to you for your career going forward.
1: If worlds is one of those things that the more times you do it, the better. You end up just because that first time there was so much to take in that it was, yeah, the first time I'm traveling to a race, you're staying in a hotel and yeah, basically that kind of like pro cyclist life. And then you show up to the race. There's just so many people and the atmosphere is crazy. Uh, and to experience that the first, to have that it's like show up to a worlds. Like if you've been yeah, having the results and stuff and then like, okay, you get to go to worlds, but then to show up there for the first time and try to expect a result. is just, I don't think it's possible because you're already then expecting to have a good result, but then you have the stress from that and, and everything else. And then you show up on the start line with all the best guys in the world who are also on their top form. And it's, yeah, I don't think it's so hard to do it all at once. And I don't think I was able to get tenth at Worlds as a second year junior. And I don't think that would have been the case if I didn't race as a first year. Right,
0: and that that was in
1: Switzerland. Yep.
0: Yeah. After, or actually, you going to Worlds after having that first sort of full UCI junior season. Had you started racing
1: on the road at that point? Mm, I think so. I think I I did just some some local stuff with... Yeah, that was my first year on the road. I did some local races with the Kelly Benefits team. But, yeah, just just as a junior. And they actually... We had, like... Actually, maybe... No, it wasn't just local races. We had a six-man team that we went out to Chicago for intelligentsia and stuff and we, we would race the junior races and we kind of just destroyed everything, <laughs> which is pretty cool.
0: How did that come about? So, I mean, how did your, uh, relationship with, uh, KBS start?
1: I think it started through my coach. Uh, after, yeah, after that, those, that first worlds, I was, we were at, we were at some party for one of our bike shops. Um, and my coach was there and he's like, hey, I want you to meet this guy, which was Mark Frazier who runs yeah, the junior program for Kelly. And I'm just like, he's like you're going to be racing on the road with him this year. I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't know if I want to do that. But yeah, then slowly got yeah involved with some of the other juniors that we took from different teams and put together a, a really cool, six guy team
0: but what through road racing focus still predominantly on
1: cyclocross yeah the the first year absolutely it was just okay i i guess i'll race my bike and do this and then the second year the road season was canceled because of covid so yeah didn't do any racing that's
0: yeah okay that timeline is just wild to me because it's So you had one full year of racing, and then it was already COVID. So you're like your road racing career is only
1: a few years. Uh, Yeah, I'd only say it's one season. One season. Like yeah, this pretty much this past year was the first year I actually did did a road season, and not just the year before I did a couple collegiate races and stuff. But yeah, I think only one one actual year on the road. Which I don't. I realize when I think about it, but when I'm not thinking about it, I don't realize that I've only actually done one year.
0: Let's talk about uh, that national championship, first national championship that you that you won. Where, where, which, which venue was that? What year are we talking
1: about? Tacoma. Yeah, in Washington. The best course I've raced in the U.S. <laughs> Why is that the best course? Other than that, you won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just... They used what they had really well. And they made it a really technical race with something we'd see here in Europe. Steep run-ups, steep drops that you roll, roll up to it for the first time. And it's like, oh, this is... That's scary. <laughs> um, but I feel like a lot of the course... A lot of the courses we've seen, they've not used everything they've had, but they have to cater to so many different skill levels that it's tough. But I think that course, they're like, okay. They used what they had, and I don't know if they made different courses for the juniors. I think they must have for the young juniors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: I'm not even sure that the youngest juniors went uh, to that second
1: tier. Yeah, I don't think they went up there. But, yeah, so instead of making just one course for everybody, they made a course that was – actually technical and challenged the elite riders which was really cool
0: is this the same year that you won pan ams in ontario yes okay and basically it was you magnus sheffield that
1: yeah that it was that whole year it was us two and we had yeah so (laughs) i wish those races were live streamed or something because some of the battles we had were ridiculous Well, the King's Battle sticks out to me. That one was amazing, too. Just because, you know,
0: it's one of these things where, I guess, I don't know. And this is just, I'm, I'm biased here, but this is where I compare, like, crit racing to cyclocross and think cyclocross does it better. I mean, you guys were Practically wrestling on the course during some of these races, Wait. Magnus is a big guy. I mean, he's you know he's a world tour time trialist and doing well at it. And and but you weren't giving any inch. And it, I i feel like it's it's what I love about cyclocross is that you guys were able to do that and just like it wasn't anything. It was just like racing bikes. It wasn't like you were going to the parking lot
1: afterwards. No. It- he was so much bigger. So I didn't have anywhere near the power to match him, but I slowly figured out how to r- actually race and race him. And I, I feel like the races was at, were actually really similar to some of the races we saw with Wout and Vanderpol in, I don't know, it was like 2017 or 2018 when they were full on for CycleCross Crossley. They were aggressive racing, just making crazy passes and, yeah, we, Magnus and I were doing that. I remember at Pan Am's, there was a set of steps and then a pretty decent flat section, but not really long enough to get on your bike. It was kind of weird. And then another couple sets of stairs and Magnus and I were running. We're running next to each other, pushing each other and yelling at each other. <laughs> just like hard, <laughs> just because we both wanted to get to the steps first and... So I remember that. And then earlier in that race, basically any time Magnus crashed, I crashed with him. He would take me down (laughs) with him or make sure I couldn't get past. Um, So we crashed a couple of times and yeah, throughout that year rubbed a lot of shoulders and it was hard racing, but it's definitely paid off a lot. And I'm glad I got to race against him and that aggressively because now yeah, here in Europe and even in the U.S., like these guys that are way bigger than me, I'm able to actually lean on them. And guys have been surprised that they they come through to try to pass me in a corner or something, and they expect to easily get through, and I'm able to hold hold them up and put put them where I want them to be. And yeah, stay in the lead through corners and stuff. And yeah, he's benefited me a lot.
0: Yeah, it's such a great skill, especially for this type of racing. That you know, we're in Europe, we're in Belgium right now. The stuff that you've been doing just this past week and a half—I mean, it's just so aggressive. You know, you, you talk about it like even in the grid. Like if you're not aggressive from from the moment you grid up, then then you've already already lost a race. Yeah, I, I want to actually go back to that Pan Am battle you had with magnus just because i think an important thing that i see with you and i know this goes with you know mike burner who's coaching you as well but it's also it's something you have to buy into is that the day before pan ams was a c2 race Mm, that weekend and um magnus beat you pretty easily in that yeah and I from what I heard, I kind of already knew what was going yeah. on. But from what I heard from people walking around and even team managers and that kind of stuff, they were like, "Oh, Strohmeyer's kind of, you know, not 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 on a good weekend. This this yeah. this may not be a great race on the next day." But that really wasn't the case. And th- this is like this is like a
1: UCI race that you're doing this on a Saturday. Yeah. That was the first time I really started to think about smart racing and tactics and stuff because we were going up there, and I was like, what's the point in racing this first race as hard as I can? Um, it's it's really hard to travel that far and not basically just take yourself out of the first day of racing. But, yeah, for me, having the Pan Ams the next day was worth it. So I basically went out and did my openers on the course. Didn't you have a – I mean, you had your – computer with you right was
0: not didn't you have some sort of limit was it heart rate was it watts what was it that you were watching during that
1: saturday like a- uh, or uh, was it just it was just, just taking it easy yeah i just take take it easy do a couple harder like efforts about halfway around the course and then ease up again which thinking about it now i was like <laughs> probably annoying to race with because i was just like doing these weird efforts and people like what well. I thought he attacked and then he's back here. And, yeah, I actually, like, that race, I didn't even warm up on the trainer. I just kind of did some jumping jacks, went to the start line. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I was just trusting the process. And when I saw those guys at the front racing as hard as they could, I'm like, oh, this is – yeah, this is this suits me. Yeah, no, and
0: I I think it's it's smart and it's also something that I – you know, bring up as an example. I mean, not just that race, but what you do it's just yeah, what you said is it's trusting the process, but also having the discipline to to follow through. I mean, you're a bike racer, you know, bike bike racers like to race bikes, so it's yeah. it's got to be hard to be able to say okay, I'm um, I'm not going
1: to do that on this because there's a bigger goal. Yeah, I think it was easier that then because I was like, I know I can win the next day, and if I do this, then I have a really good chance. So going up there it didn't even feel like a race the, the day before. It was just like pre-ride session so that was easy and i had also won enough races before that that i was like okay i don't don't really need to do really well today uh just focus on tomorrow and that was that was the first jersey i had won and not having a jersey was pretty big like i definitely lost sleep the week before i was just like because when you don't have a jersey the chance to win one it's just, it's just the feeling is crazy it's like it's all i wanted was to race in a jersey that's truly like one of those
0: you know i mean you have a full life and career ahead of you but yeah definitely a life goal at that at that point that you accomplish there and then going into to nationals that same year that's tacoma right and and um again just and I guess this one was live stream, right? Was that yeah. between you and Magnus? I, another, another just
1: insane battle between you two. I go back to that race and watch it sometimes. And that was a weird race. It's like the day before I was doing openers, my legs felt amazing. Like d- Couldn't even like doing these openers. Can't feel my legs at all. Like, this is great. Then the next day I show up to the course and like, Oh, my legs don't feel good. <laughs> I, something happened. We, it was, we were a day early. Um, and through the race, we were together for a lap and then Magnus actually went off the front and he had a pretty big gap. And at that point, I was like, oh, man, I can't close that. But then just kept riding my pace and slowly we all came back together and we started racing again. And from racing Magnus, I learned I, I, if I sit back and watch him for a lap or two or try some things and see what the re- his reaction is, I can actually – yeah, I can figure out how to win. And that's what I did. I tried to attack into one of the downhill sections on maybe his second or third lap. He, he wasn't have I went too early, and I passed him, but he passed me back right before. So I was like, okay, now I need next lap. I just need to wait. And so I waited just a little bit longer and attacked him again, and he didn't have the time to get past me. And then that was actually the winning move because he ended up crashing on the descent and that's how the gap opened up.
0: Yeah, it was really exciting to watch but also tactically just brilliant because you know, you know, the the kind of joke in your field was like Magnus wants to be first and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and that's you know and you'd get like different people who you know hadn't been racing him all season who tried to go around and it was you know quickly learned a lesson that you know this is no that's his spot to be and so just to be able to sit back there and watch and and work that out strategically is 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 great but it's also you know you you talk about it a lot I mean it's it's kind of the same thing that we hear from like Tom Pitcock in in that power wise you're not going to be able to match some of these riders you know cyclocross riders usually it's the one it's the one discipline you can get away being a bigger guy yes you know and still and still and still have a success because you're not looking at a 5k climb in there at some point so so that's that's kind of what you're up against and you know you don't necessarily have the the watts to to match those people so you gotta you gotta do it elsewhere
1: yeah yeah and that's what I learned and I slowly found that I could sit a Little ways off the back of the front group and let them fight really hard, and I could bring my heart rate down pretty low, like just so I'm riding tempo and then make a move and then go all in and make it stick. Um, yeah, especially in those U.S. races. But if on some of the dry courses, if I tried to match Magnus Powell, like Watt for Watt, it just wouldn't work. Like Charm City comes to mind, I was he just came off Road Worlds, so he got third, <laughs> so uh, I was. Or no, maybe it was the year after. I don't know. But he – I was trying to race with him, and he would just – all the uphills. I just couldn't keep up, Uh which is – I don't think there's anything I could have done on those courses.
0: Yeah, and for you, I mean, as, as, as far as climbing goes, you want, like, the, the steeper, the better, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So just – you know, the fast forward th- through through some of this history, won the U twenty three national championship as as well. But I really want to get more to what was going on this season. You know, I, I think that looking back on it, we've had the USCX now. I think this is year three, but. The, this was the most exciting year of, of yeah. the series. I mean, it was just so much fun because we actually had a group racing. I mean, Vincent Bastins was awesome that he came over here in years past, but he'd kind of run away with these races, you know, except I think Curtis beat him in Charm City two years ago. But that was that was kind of it. But this year, you know, there was this good group with uh, Loris and Anton and, and Vincent in there and, um, you know, you're jumping up there as well. Curtis is in there. Um, those races, some of what we were just talking about sort of this tactical stuff where
1: you're sitting back, you kind of threw that out the door. (laughs) Yeah. Those, those races were awesome. Those, those six races were some of the most fun races I've done. The, the mantra that you are
0: kind of sharing through those races, which I love like it it should be a
1: t-shirt it's just cyclocross is supposed to be hard yeah (laughs) it it's interesting when you like his first races of the season so you don't really know where everyone else is at i didn't know where i was at um and we came in and people like to sit back and watch what's happening and i i noticed that very quickly the first race i crashed in one of the first corners it was pretty far back but then came back to the front group and they weren't going hard and I was confused this is not I just did this on the road for a bunch of I just did, yeah for months this is not how this racing is supposed to go um and then yeah just went and raced my bike that first race and I yeah Maybe was the strongest and ended up third, so I probably could have done better. But yeah, it was good racing, and I think that maybe set the tone for the races to come. With these, we had yeah the a couple of the European guys come over, and that was super cool just to be able to race them here and not just the Americans. And like, all right, racing's on. Yeah,
0: in that so third place in that first race and just like attacking off the front and then you know this is this is the the great thing about the USCX and I, I hope that it continues is that it's and what we're we're learning more and more over here is that people were watching, like people in Europe were watching these races. So and so a, a after that first day, I think the, the the funny thing was, you know, you're doing this, you're attacking off the front, you're kind of going all in, and you're already kind of getting like uh, um, mansplained about uh, how to race your bike from from a lot of commenters, a lot of people like in Europe telling that you got to sit in more and do all this, which uh, yeah, you knew. I mean, you knew what you were doing. It wasn't like you're we already talked about strategically how you go about racing your bike. So I just I just again I think it's, it was part of your process in wanting to race hard in early season, but I I just I just found it really funny with all these all this um free coaching advice you
1: were getting. Oh yeah, it was great. And we're listening to podcasts on Monday morning just about how I could have won the race. I'm like, wow well, Yeah. I I I wish I would have tried that, but, uh, it was, yeah, from watching it, it, the way I was racing, it wouldn't make a lot of sense from the outside when you watch, like, oh, just wasting energy. But for me, everyone was so close and the European guys were especially really strong. So I had to figure out a way to beat them and, just sitting in and sprinting at the end, I'm going to lose every time because I don't have the Watts. Uh, so I had to f- figure out other things and use my advantages, which one I can attack for an hour, just constantly and recover super quick. And I was using that and it actually, it wore people down and they couldn't by the end of the race, they were done. They didn't have any pop left, but I still did. So yeah i was working on using that to my advantage and what's interesting is listening to all these podcasts and the things people had to say i came into rochester i was like oh maybe maybe i don't attack so much and talk to my coach about it he's like yeah hold back a little bit and yeah at the end of the race both days really it ended up being a group race and then i lost in the end because I didn't have the sprint that these other guys had like the first day, I mean, I rode the stairs in the last lap, which I was just trying to have fun with it. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to win the sprint anyway. So I might as well try. So I rode the stairs and then was still a second wheel and on the wheel of Vincent, but I've never experienced something like trying to hold his wheel after the stairs, like. I, ped- I was pedaling as hard as I could, and just the gap was opening. And I I felt like I was doing a 1,000 watts, and he was doing 1,500. Like, just watching his legs go up and down, like, th- that's not possible. <laughs> what? You you
0: knew that going in, yet still, you know, and a great finish by Vincent, which is what people should be talking about. But again, it just came back to, and I guess I guess it's sort of like, you know, I, I fall I'm guilty of this as well. Everybody wants to overanalyze something. So they're just going to be like, "Oh, well, if you hadn't ridden the steps, then maybe you had a chance to win the race where in your head." And the reality is is like, "Well, unless he slides out on a corner or
1: something, you're not catching up." Yeah. I'd, well, I think I could actually use the steps to win. Right. Like that if, was the, that was your opportunity. I think If it goes The mistake I made was I went in the middle and loris and vincent came on both sides of me but if i would have went and put them if i would have went on the right i think and put them in basically cut them off at the top of the steps because i was already clipped in then it would have worked but the problem is i let vincent in on the inside and he was able to get on his bike in front of me and that's yeah where the mistake happened
0: yeah so if you were on that inside and were able to sort of like hold him up a little bit and possibly a different story yeah all right, so that was sitting in at That was the sitting in experiment at Rochester sort of following the uh internet's advice and um you know still you know did well but not uh n- not able to to get a win in there and then uh you know as far as the UCI goes coming coming back to your hometown hometown race in Baltimore Charm City and you you already talked about it a little bit you know just a course you know so well of course that you know with guys that have power like you're talking about racing against Magnus that that's a that's a pretty power heavy course so what's the plan going in there?
1: Yeah, day one I wanted to sit in more and race the guys and try to make a move at the end because I knew the first person to hit the pavement would win, um, but it was. Again, a day of sitting in, and then towards the end, I just didn't. Curtis attacked up the, the hill, and I just didn't have the watt, the pure watts to go with him, uh, or to pass him. I was able to hold the wheel, but I couldn't get past like I wanted to before the off camera and then I was just stuck in third, and not able to move up before the end because it's such a tight, turny course. And then was able to come around Curtis at the end, but Anton had already hit the pavement first, and yeah he was gone,
0: yeah if ever there was a course feature in America that was like made for Curtis White, it's that <laughs> thats little descent and then just power section up to the up to the mansion hill I mean he yeah. was just like destroying that, oh yeah, it was yeah there's nothing we could do, uh so that's day one sitting in, then go home, think things over, and then come back for day two what's the you know what's the
1: change there? Yeah, the change there was kind of fueled by everybody talking, and also not having the, not getting the win yet, but having two second places and third. So, I showed up and I was. I decided in the morning. I I showed up to the race and my coach Mike Berner came up to me. And he's like, "So what are you thinking?" I'm like, "I'm gonna go from the start, <laughs> just throwing everything out the window. I'm just going hard," and. Well, I actually, I didn't even have to do that because Scott Fonston got on the front. And he went really hard first, and then I attacked off of him and was able to get a gap, but a decent gap. I think it was like nine or ten seconds. And for a couple laps, I rolled that gap, but Anton was behind chasing, and he didn't. He wasn't letting me get away, and the gap was just not coming down. And I was slowly blowing up, <laughs> so I, yeah called that that like they're i'm not going to hold a nine second gap for the whole race so i let them come back to me and then things got interesting after they came back to you were you getting dropped from that group yeah there were some attacks and i was feeling it and just yeah couldn't was struggling a bit to hold the corners through the wheels sorry hold the wheels through the corners um and yeah through some a couple attacks those guys were yeah slowly pulling away um and then I really kind of got dropped when Vincent attacked um which yeah there's <laughs> maybe part partly my own doing with getting dropped when Vincent attacked um cause that's a whole n- another story <laughs> What's that story? So after I came, after that, we all came back together. Vincent rolled up to me on the start finish straight. This is what people want to know. Yeah. And I, because it was Belgian on Belgian, him him and Anton. And Anton won the day before. He did not want Anton to win. Um, And so he rolled up to me and he, I thought he was going to yell at me at first. I was like, I didn't even do anything. And then A came up. He's like, all right, if if you don't follow me, I will not follow you. And I thought he was kind of meeting through the corners. I like, go, why don't you want me to follow you? Like, I don't get to ride on your wheel? And I was like, oh, wait, no, he means attacking. And so then I was like, all right, so that means I got to be the first one to attack because <laughs> I'm not letting you go first. I got to actually see if this is worth right, yeah, yeah, worth it. So then, at that point, I was pretty tired, and I attacked, but those guys followed. But Vincent wasn't the first one to jump on it, and then I kind of, yeah, just trusted him, and the next lap, he attacked, and I didn't follow him. I made Anton try to close the gap, and he got a a gap, and then we rolled around for a while, and Anton was able to, to bring it back, and I think it was good for Vincent, he was able to the u.s has really grown to to like him and they really enjoyed his racing over here so i think there was more cheers for him and he heard his name more than other people so that was really pretty awesome and then yeah we came back together and it went back to well i guess the the front curtis and anton came back to him and i was back and forth um struggling a bit because it was really hot and yeah i was just tired and I remember my coach was standing on the course and I came by the pits and then up this little hill to where he was standing. I was in fourth, probably like 10, 15 seconds off the back of that group. And he, he, he told me, he said, you said you want to go hard. You are not stopping after 30 minutes. You are going, you're doing this for the full hour. And then that kind of is like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you heard that that been so because I was standing
0: there as well and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome because <laughs> he's he's kind of giving you a hard time. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean I've worked with him for seven years I think and yeah, yeah at this point yeah. But he also knows what's going to work. Yeah, and he was just yeah, tough. like he wants to see me he- succeed and he's like, this you're not going to succeed before. It's like yeah, go you you just need to go all in. Yeah, and slowly. But that's like that's like a script.
0: That's like that's it like is. some dumb, like <laughs> hacky
1: movie stuff yeah.
0: you hear about. So yeah, just amazing.
1: Yeah, and then so I, I mean, I was already going all in. I was wasn't sitting back and forth. I was pretty all in, but I like stood up out of the next corner to make it look like I was going even harder. Um, but I yeah, I was just still just kept on it instead of letting off, and slowly things started to come together. Um, anton crashed in a corner and so that well, was immediately from fourth to third i was like okay and then i once i got in front of him i was like i don't want to stay with him so i attacked and was able to get a gap from him and then curtis and vincent sat up and we all came back together with three laps to go i think uh so yeah then i was like okay well now i'm back in the fight for the win
0: Yeah, and so them sitting up, that must have given you just enough time to
1: kind of recover and regroup. Yep. Yeah, it did, and yeah, we rolled onto the we rolled the as a group for a lap, and yeah, it was all pretty normal, and then slowly as we hit, I took the lead again after the flyover, and there's a, a wood section, and I was leading through the the wood section. I rode it fast, and I noticed there was a, maybe like a half a bike length gap between me and Vincent, who was behind me in the after you come out of that section you just, it's just uphill, and that's where I was attacking, so I just made the turn with two laps to go and just yeah, everything I had left was just full gas because so I knew if I made it to the top of the off camber first with a the gap, then I could hold it, but I had to make it there with the gap. I couldn't bring guys with me and vincent wasn't he didn't come out of the corner and jump right on it and curtis had to do it and he actually came really close he was just like a couple bike lengths away but i rode the uphill really smooth the really steep like run up basically and they were still i think it probably went to like five bike lengths and then i just rode some like a couple corners coming off that hill faster than i ever thought i could like i i'm not sure how it's possible but i looked at my tires after the race and my side knob was there's an imprint of my side knob in the sidewall of the tire so like on the red part of the tire there are diamonds so you just folded that thing over the the turn uh yeah (laughs) that's the only possible way that that could have gotten there um so I just trusted the tires and hoped they stuck. And they did. And I rode the barriers. And by that point, it I mean, it was... Yeah, a little little shout-out to Challenge there, Challenge yeah, the Tires, doing, the, doing the, the work. Yeah, those Challenge, the dunes. Yeah. And I rode the barriers. And by that point, I mean, it was eighty over 85 degrees and brutal heat. And after the race had been so fast that everyone was just destroyed and i think don't think curtis had much left to chase anton definitely didn't because he was chasing all day and vincent was yeah he's like "Eh." yeah i'm all right (laughs) so yeah i just kept on it for another lap and i still thought they were close and then i got to a point where i could take a look and i realized the gap was just huge and so i rode hard for a half lap and then was able to really just take it in the last half lap, which was a pretty surreal experience.
0: Yeah, and you know, not all you know. Both both of us have pretty strong feelings towards Charm City. It's kind of you know, other than DCCX, that's my local race as well. I've been working with those guys forever. So just just being able to finish that off, and it's also it's a it's a place where Curtis's win the year before Stephen Hyde's. Beating, beating um, Jonathan Page on that course I mean just some iconic wins in there so it's like just just a lot of history and just being able to pull it off and finally you know get that USCX win was was really cool to, to watch and I know it was probably pretty sweet to be able to do it as well
1: yeah and in front of that crowd just everybody I know like every, yeah all the juniors and all the, the people I grew up racing with like the, the local club and with the sportive coaching group and yeah, I think just people I raced with and teammates and stuff. Yeah. That I came in the start, finish straight and it was just, they were just, everyone seemed to have stayed for that race and yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. It, it,
0: a great win. And then, you know, I think f- for me, the one, thing and I don't I don't know how we fix it but that's just the sort of scheduling disappointment the way the North American calendar works out is that we have this amazing series for three rounds we have the European guys there we have you there and then they all go home you went to Europe to to race a block because I mean that's kind of what you have to do if you want to have success in this sport and then we had the the final round of the USCX like a couple weeks later i not a question here just kind of my plea to the world that we if we had those four like i I don't think there's anything wrong with having an early season series you know just just put them in there four weeks in a row even or five you know four four weeks and five weeks whatever you want to do and then and then we're set
1: yeah i mean even three weeks wouldn't have been so bad like those six races just caught good yeah because they're all they're all similar and everybody a lot of the same people come out to all of them but it's so hard when you have three and then you throw in one that's just so much later because yeah we had the draw of the, the european guys but if they're looking at that series which they i don't think they were because i think they were looking at like oh there's three c ones where i can get points and some money but the series wasn't drawing them in because that they know they're not going to hit that last race because it's so much later and they'd miss a good portion of the cross season here in Europe. So, yeah, maybe smaller series, like just three weeks or putting races closer together is, yeah, probably the best thing to do, but I I think it's kind of – no one could have seen that three Europeans are going to come over to race. So they're like, oh, this is a U.S. series. (laughs) We can – yeah we'll make it the same yeah. races
0: yeah which is you know, and even looking forward, who knows what's going to happen with trek next year but we we may be in a position where we don't have any world cups in the u s and we still want to draw some of these European racers to come over so doing doing things as early as we can i think is is really important the
1: yeah I think what's interesting is i don't the the world cup isn't i don't think it's what drew. Those guys to come over here because I don't think it was Anton's goal. Vincent didn't race it, and Loris went home after the first day of Charm City and then came back for the World Cup. So it wasn't like, oh, I can go to the U.S. and get really acclimated and then just go to the World Cup. It was just some some good races and we'll go try them out because, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's all cross racing.
0: Yeah, the last. The kind of button I want to talk about with the USCX access really quickly is just the, you know, the broadcast of that I think has, has gotten better over the years. Nobody's going to argue it's the same as, you know, Sporza or any of the, the, the broadcasts that we see from Europe. But I think it's it's something where people can watch races, follow along, and not be – annoyed by it <laughs> you know there, i think the i think the broadcast has come to a point where there, it's actually it's it's decent and and you can follow along and you know you were telling me this this anecdote just from lining up at a race earlier that i think is why the uscx is so important because it's something like we want the world to know that the us has as good cyclocross racing people are crazy for cyclocross and you had people you know Telling you that they were watching you, including include when you're gritting up for a race.
1: Yeah. I I think this year was huge for it and they, they did a really good job and the broadcasting is that was also a really big part of it because yeah, as I'm missing the last US six race, I was on the start standing at the in the grid at at the race in Neal and I was next to Neil's Vanderput. And just standing there, I'm like I was just thinking I'm like, oh, like this guy, like, I'm standing next to one of the best cross racers in the world right now. It's pretty cool. And then he looked over and he said something to me and he's like, hey man, he's like, congrats on all your U.S. racing. He's like, those races were awesome to watch. I watched all of them. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, what? That's I was never expecting. Yeah. To hear that.
0: Yeah. Which is huge for the sport, but it's also, I think it's important for you and and people like you in that, you know, a lot of the, I think, what happens with American and North American racers when they race in Europe is that they don't really get the respect, you know, and they get pushed around and they don't, you know, nobody's going to give them any deference anywhere because they don't know who you are. You're just some guy off the street of, of, as far as they're concerned but now they know who you are and you know they know who the people you're racing with and i think that that helps a ton for just you know you still got to fight for everything but at least at least they sort of know who you are
1: yeah and what's is the cyclocross community seems so it's like it's very tight-knit and the people who race cross they like they love cross that's why they do it and to these, it seems like for the European Europeans, they the U.S. cross races. It wasn't like God; they're just it, it was cross racing. It what there was nothing like oh, it's American, whatever. It's there they like cross racing. and They wanted to watch cross races. So I think that says so yeah something huge about the possibilities for the for the racing in the U.S. If yeah, if it's just as accessible to these guys um as it is for them to race here um and there's nothing that will really make them think or drive them away i think yeah it's saddle cross racing and they they enjoy it and they'll come
0: there's a ton more i want to talk to you about uh, yeah. and <laughs> we've been doing this we've been going for a while now but i do so i'm i'm going to just sort of leave uh the racing now and sort of the the future of racing and cyclocross and yeah. big questions for another time. We can come back and have have, have another another conversation about that. But I, I do want to sort of end this now talking about nationals. Uh, and I, I, I think even, even the run up to nationals, I was looking at it. You registered for nationals,
1: I think, a month before yeah. the race. I was, yeah, I was listening to the podcast, and you guys are talking yeah. about, like, I must have just snuck in there. I'm like, I've been on there since, that, and, and that was it. <laughs> like, I, I knew. I mean, you
0: know, being on this team, I knew your plans uh, far in advance, and I was getting the question all the time. You know, what's Andrew doing? And I'm like, well, yeah. you know, and I don't know. Maybe you would would have switched at well, the last second, or. Somebody would have made you switch at the last. Oh, so
1: I really wanted to wait till like the the day before registration closed. Yeah, to keep people wondering. But I mean, unfortunately, I looked at it. And I said, "Well, me waiting is not worth seventy dollars." I mean, I, right. I it's unfortunate, but like I already had to pay one hundred thirty-five to register now, and then if I wait longer, it goes up to two hundred. It's like. See that's an that's another. I already think the two
0: hundred dollars is ridiculous. Yeah, one hundred and thirty-five is ridiculous. But but yeah, it, it just we want to have those those narratives and those storylines. And you know, what is Andrew Stromar going to race uh, Yeah, a, it was such a fun one that would have been it would have been cool it to, be been able been to cool. draw that out. But then just not a, not a lot of good um, uh, private investigators out there that could have just looked at the <laughs>
1: registration yeah, and seen even even people even teammates were like. <laughs> so, you know, you, do you know what you're racing for nationals yet i'm like it's it's out there it's been out there you just gotta take a look um but yeah i guess people don't look at that as much as i thought they would
0: yeah so basically what we're talking about is that you um are still a u23 yep. racer and you made the decision that you were going to race elite nationals which i i mean you've already won a u23 national championship throughout the year you're basically racing against the same people that you'd be racing at national so it didn't it didn't seem like a a crazy decision but it definitely was what i was like from your competitors every week i would get the question
1: so uh what's strobeyer thinking (laughs) (laughs) yeah i decided i decided i was gonna race elite nationals the day I won the U twenty three race in Hartford, I was, I me mean, honestly, a little disappointed. It didn't race the elite race there because I think I could have done well, but like that, just in the snow and on that course, I think it suited me really well. But yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> so from that point, I was like, all right, th- I know what I'm doing. So coming into Joe Creason Park and
0: Louisville, and you're looking at the at the track setup. Basically praying for rain, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just from also being in Europe for the month before, I was like, okay, I've raced in the deep mud enough that I'm all right with it now. Well, especially against yeah the U.S. racers, just because they, they haven't experienced it as much. So I was hoping for a lot of rain, especially with that course, which didn't have a ton to really separate people. It was kind of one line around the whole course, and the strongest guy won. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's the... Yeah, when we, when we got there, like, when I saw it on paper, I was like, oh, this will be pretty good, but just, just seeing it in person, there were so many... They weren't really secret, but they seemed like it, like, power sections. It seemed like like two-thirds of the course almost was just, like, straight, you know, ramp it up and go.
1: Yeah, I mean, and after the race, I was... Disappointed, and but then slowly after taking a look back at it, I am like, there really was a lot of power on this course, and a lot of like my dad said, said there is a lot of road sections on this course. Like you climb from the bottom of the off camber all the way up the road, and then vote like you pass the pits twice, and it's just straights, so and you hop on the road again on like under the flyover, and then the start finish straight, the straight after that, like yeah. There's a lot, a, a lot more than I originally had thought there was. Yeah, so uh, we come into it and
0: it, knowing that, you know, you, you got really three people up there. That's how it kind of worked out. Two of them, pretty lots of horsepower, and in, in Curtis and then, of course Eric Bruner, and then you know you know Funston. He's been you've been racing with him as well. He's he is almost a little more. I mean, you guys almost. Match up a little more, just in basically what you want to do in races and and how yeah. you, how you race it. Um, but you know we kind of talked about your different strategies going into the race. So so knowing that and knowing you know how who the players were, how the course laid out, what what was the the strategy.
1: Yeah. Well, I and back to the bud thing. I I was hoping for rain, but. I was also, if the course turned into what it was in 2018, Scott was, because he came to Europe and he would, I raced him at Dendermondus in a mud, and he's, he's pretty good at the DMUD,
0: so Yeah. He also, the thing that really impressed me with him was, you know, we talk about like the elbows out racing in Europe. It's like, he was good in deep mud. and he was also not afraid just to like shove people out of the way and go.
1: No. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that was in the race we saw that because i also like to race the same way so that was that was good but coming into the race i knew there was a chance i could win uh but i also knew that i had only raced eric once during the season and he didn't have a great race and just i mean he's been national champion before and he's one of the strongest guys i've ever raced against so I mean, to get fourth at the Fayetteville World Cup, I'm like, yeah, like, I think I can win, but, like, this, I'm not, like, it's going to be really hard. Um, so it, it was it was kind of funny, because I, I think a lot of people thought, like, I was coming coming in, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'll win. Uh, maybe even in our, like, team tent and stuff, people thought that, but in my back of my mind, I was like, people is like, said to me, talk to me about eric and i was like yeah it'll be all right but like i knew he was super strong and that it was going to be a hard good race
0: despite all that you know we we had some drama in this race um i guess the the, the first thing all the questions about people want to know about is you and uh you and eric coming
1: together uh yeah i <laughs> heard every different side of this story from everyone who's watched it uh like it's pretty big on instagram now and i enjoy reading the comments on that post um because yeah when we came together it actually looks much worse than it felt um but yeah we we came over the barriers and through one through the corner there's this weird like i don't know if it's a piece of sidewalk or it's like piece of metal covering something it was just super slick just in the middle of the course and the lines were terrible and so there's an inside line and outside line what i didn't realize is they crossed in the middle so eric went outside and i went inside and then i realized that the lines crossed I was like oh no this is not gonna end well (laughs) and so yeah kind of braced for impact and yeah got knocked off my bike um but that's pretty normal thing across so i just hopped up quick and got back on the bike and yeah, unfortunately Eric's bike went into crash mode. So he couldn't really pedal very hard. He's in, in the hardest gear. Um, but yeah, that was fairly normal racing. Like I was kind of expecting that to happen sometime throughout the race, but it looked really dramatic.
0: Yeah, it did. And I, <laughs> I think that just goes back to that's that's cyclocross racing. And I think everybody at the front of that race was not going to be, taking anything personal when that no. kind of stuff happens. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, he had that you know, unfortunate mechanical where he couldn't shift gears. Uh, again, stuff like that in cyclocross, it's not road racing. You you have that. You take advantage of it. So you were able to go off the front for a while after that.
1: Not, 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 not after that crash. Okay. I, I tried to attack, but he was able to fix his bike quick enough that... Alright, so he just, got,
0: that time he got it back going. Yeah, he yeah. got
1: it out of crash mode and he was right back there but then he was leading and through one of the slick corners he just slid out and he dropped his chain and i almost crashed into him but narrowly avoided him and then attacked really hard because i'm like okay this is this is my chance and it took him a a little while to get the bike get the chain back on the bike um and i had a, a good gap i don't think it was actually as big as it looked because I think it looks really big on camera, but I don't think it ever actually was more than like 15 seconds. So I went all in for that. But yeah, I rode as hard as I could, but Eric is just, yeah, on on another level with the power. Like just, for I was going as hard as I could and yeah, could not have pedaled any harder than out. Just, I remember looking back at one on one section where the course kind of you do a U turn and I thought he teleported. I was like, how did he get there? And then watching the replay back, he like comes on the start finish straight and Scott's there too. And I swear Eric passes him like five miles an hour faster. It's just not even close. It's pretty ridiculous to watch. Well, one of his, I think 816 was his fastest. Yeah, lap time. I lap th- And
0: that he was like, that. 10, he, at, he took like 10 seconds off of I it. I think
1: my fast is really 822, and that was, is hardly like, all out. So, yeah. He, when, yeah, when he gets going, it's just, yeah, it doesn't stop.
0: Yeah. So basically, yeah, he catches you again, and then, uh, it's, I don't know. A good battle to the finish. I felt like you were able to hang in as best you could, knowing
1: that this guy was was on a day. Yeah, I wasn't going to stop because I always knew mistakes could happen again. And He stretched the gap pretty far, and then it actually came back. It started to come back uh, on the last lap where it was two to go. Anyway, it started to come back. I think he blew up a little bit, but then he was able to recover from that and stretch it again. But yeah i i was all in for the win still and yeah i wasn't going to give up because i also had to make wanted to make sure i got second place so i also had to race scott and yeah it just he was clearly the strongest rider on the day and there was yeah nothing that was going to stop him so i for me there's a lot of races that sometimes like oh, what if what if for that race it's there's nothing I could do. There's no what ifs. It was he's strong. He's the strongest guy anyone. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, it was again exciting racing. It was cool, cool to see you up to, up there doing that. Um, Yeah, it, and you know, now in Europe, racing as I said, you know, we've been we've been talking. I think longer than we had expected to have to have to get to Zonhoven to to do some uh, do some recon laps. Yeah, Let's go check that out. So, um, uh. But thank you, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for, uh, for sharing that. I know there are a lot of people out there that have been following your racing not only this year, but just throughout your career career and really um, you know cheering for you for a uh, for greater success down the road.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been great.